Roses are red, Luigi is dead, and shadows watch Mario over his head. Snake hides in lockers and tugs, hoping to see Laura Croft's jugs, while kids in Lavender Town think they are better off dead. If these rhymes brought you smiles, then stay for a while. It's video game urban legends. It's pseudophiles. Who is that, Chingy? Chingy. He was huge in like 2003, and then he. He was huge for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. 2003 was a second. Yeah. <laughs> and he disappeared. I think Chingy. Maybe. Did he go to. No, that was T.I. What? Go to jail? Yeah. <laughs> they all went to jail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, how, that's how they got their, uh, their cred. Was- so, have you guys been aware of, like, urban legends within the realm of video games for a while yeah mostly just because of well i would say because of the cracked uh website same but there were some things that i had heard as a kid like uh laura croft laura croft yeah the uh that nudity patch or the nudity cheat code hasn't that been (laughs) yeah that never existed yeah yeah that's yeah well that so yeah because that reminded me of like when I was a kid, those PlayStation One, like people were starting to get internet, and there was, a, and my family was one of the first people in my town to get internet, and I would have friends calling me at my house, annoying my parents to try to get me to get on the internet to get them cheat codes, and uh, there were some websites that would have something, and yeah, one of the main ones was definitely the Laura Croft or Tomb Raider nudity cheat. <laughs> I had a, a sort of similar experience, um, but we didn't have internet mm-hmm. at my house for a very long time, like after everyone else had it, it seemed like. Um, but my sister had internet at her dad's house, and she would go there every other weekend, I think. And uh, I would send her, I think I talked about how I would, on an, some episode, about how I would ask her to like download songs for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you did. Yeah. Another thing that she would do was uh print off long lists of cheat codes for the video games we were playing at the time um and she was actually really obsessed with tomb raider and so that was one of the games that we would play it was like the old playstation one tomb raider games and she would look up cheats for that and uh like she would play through the uh what i think are the really boring parts of the game but then she <laughs> couldn't beat the bosses she was, <laughs> so she would hand me the controller for the bosses was that something that you liked doing was the boss levels? oh yeah that was the only fun part to me i mm-hmm. really never got into the like cave exploring and jumping from thing to thing and i mean the really twitchy controls yeah you and i uh, we've talked about it before but you and i recently got that game to try just to it have was, a nostalgic trip but mm-hmm. God, the controls sucked it, so hard on that. It was Tomb Raider 3, and that was the one that we played the most. It was the one where you're, you can be in the mansion that's like the first level. Yeah, that was supposed to be like the most advanced one for that time. Yeah. And, and it was so shitty. That's the one where you can lock the butler in the freezer. And <laughs> that was one of the first... 
Like, I think we may have found that out on our own, or maybe she looked it up. I bet you found it out on your own, because something that I was talking about with my friend Graham before this episode was, back then, we only had a handful of video games, and we would naturally find all the Easter eggs in those games, just because we were so bored, and we played them over and over and over, and we had attention spans that let us do that. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I think what I was thinking with the... uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider 3 was that as adults we don't have the attention span to play that game. The patience I think is the better word yes, for it. Yes, you're right. You're totally um, right. But yeah, I remember when we because I, I bought a PlayStation 2 a couple of years back just to have like you said, a nostalgic trip. Also, mm-hmm. I still genuinely enjoy playing the Tony Hawk games. Oh yeah. If there's any game that I've put more time into than Fallout, it's the Tony Hawk games just over years. I don't even, I wouldn't even want to see the amount of hours. They hold on up paper. as good games still. They're amazing games, but uh, I just, I was really, really good at those games. But um, we, uh, what was I? I kicked, kicked your butt. Oh, well, let's have a competition. <laughs> Seriously, I will kick your ass. American Wasteland, that's what I always oh, play. Oh, I'm. American Wasteland was, okay. like, the best one as yeah. far as the mechanics were concerned. I, yeah. I don't think it, overall it was the best game, but it had, like, everything. Man, like, I, could, I could manual for an hour. Mm. Just, mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you and me on sick mode. We need to do Dude, that. Okay. We need I mean, to have okay. I have the PlayStation I, and those games here. So. Okay, I'll need some, I need some time to refresh because it has been a long time. Oh, yeah, we but. can have a free skate time. Okay. So, okay. But anyway, Man. but I played the shit out of those games, and, uh, but... Oh, God, I was going somewhere with that. Maybe I'll remember it in a minute, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, I never played American Wasteland. I love the Tony Hawk games, and I remember that I was, like, the best of my friends at Tony Hawk, and then I, whenever I started hanging out with Sydney, and we that came up, like, Tony Hawk, how much we love that game, mm-hmm. she was like, I'll, I'll kick your ass, like, anytime. <laughs> I was like, bring it. <laughs> like, yeah. you'll, there's no way you're going to beat me. And then she, like handily handed my ass to me <laughs> i thought i was so great at it. i just figured out that all my friends sucked at the game <laughs> yeah that was the bummer for me as a kid is i didn't have anybody to play games with um and if i did have friends that played games it was all like call of duty and stuff that i wasn't good at or didn't care about yeah and i couldn't i didn't have anybody to play tony hawk with and i'm thinking dude come on somebody play these games but nobody could have gotten as good as i was so it would just been a, a futile effort. Yeah, Call of yeah. Duty was one of those games that, well, any sort of war game, and I think as a kid I liked them, but as an adult now, I was like, I don't like my entertainment being something that people in real life are fighting and dying for. It's a bummer to me, so I don't understand the popularity now. Do you, is the campaign mode what bothers you? Because we do have a lot of fun playing. Oh yeah, you know, the multiplayer is completely different yeah but yeah the campaign mm-hmm. mode where you're where they're trying to set in either something that's happening right now or some sort of very realistic war mm-hmm. that could be happening right now like a near future thing like black ops 2 yeah like that bums me the hell out that and was I, the future one right that was set like in yeah. 2020 or something that's why i will always like there's always that war between halo and call of duty i will always prefer halo never, yeah, yeah i never got into halo i tried sure i loved halo but I've talked about that before. Halo is you're just killing a bunch of aliens, and it's has this level of removal from yeah. reality that I'm totally fine with, and I'm fine with like 
Grand Theft Auto or whatever where you're, it's a very cartoony violence, but it's that Call of Duty thing where it's... It's <laughs> something that has happened and will keep happening. Yeah. That, yeah. Grand Theft Auto is... I've always looked at that as like, yeah, it's extremely like ultra violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks ver- very real, especially the recent games, but it's... Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's over the top. It's ri- yeah. it's ridiculous. It's cartoony. It's that's something that I can handle. It's not the. I mean, not to say that people don't kill hookers. <laughs> Let's well, not call them hookers. Killed, I killed killed two of them last week. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, we hire prostitutes all the time. All the time. House, yeah. You know, I think it was coming in about half hour. <laughs> But, better, uh, better wrap it up then. Okay, more ways going. than one, if you know what uh, I mean. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Torrance is now uncomfortable. I ben, apologize for that joke. <laughs> ben, you've been uh, getting down on the new Crash Bandicoot yeah. uh, remix. What, remix? Is that what <laughs> remaster. Remaster, remaster of the first three games. Yeah. yeah. Um, so much fun. Which is something that I never played as a kid, but how, yeah. how are you liking that? Well, I played them a ton as a kid. I think like some of my earliest video game memories was sitting on PlayStation 1 playing Crash Bandicoot. And it's, I mean, it's the same game, just new graphics. Yeah. So like the nostalgia factor is very high. And I feel like the gameplay was improved. Did they actually change the gameplay? Well, they say I think for this I don't I don't honestly know if they changed the gameplay much. I know for the first one there have been complaints because your your uh, trajectory um isn't aligned. Like it feels like you're going to jump farther than you actually are. Mm. And so it, it throws a lot of people off. Okay, so it actually it did change some of the very small mechanics. I of feel it. like it's harder. The but first course- one is freaking hard i may just be spoiled after all the years of recent like of new games yeah <laughs> but i feel like it's harder than it was yeah well i was just thinking about that the, the evolution of video games and what they are now and ben you and i just earlier this evening were looking at steam games i think you and i were commenting on how a lot of them are like survival games are these open world games mm-hmm. they're these games that don't really have like an objective anymore it's mm-hmm. just all about crafting and like they're all sandbox yeah sandbox games they're minecraft derivatives they're all trying to do something that has been done before when Mm -hmm. we were kids like you know you had a limited amount of lives and as soon as you died it was game over there were no save (coughs) points like oh my gosh i remember whenever i had a sega genesis and like playing sonic the hedgehog i would play that thing for hours on end but i would start over from the beginning i'd have to like every so many lives (laughs) freaking insane yeah uh that's what's crazy about how it's changed and now video games are pretty much like a they have always been an art form but now thinking about like uh the vanishing of ethan carter or firewatch or yeah which i love those games or uh yeah it's a it's a new thing and it they video games have evolved at a much more rapid rate than you know cinema has Mm -hmm. um I feel like it's a an underrated form of art that it really doesn't get the yeah. recognition that it deserves. And as... one thing we're now seeing more and more is just the amount of indie games that come out and that do well because now the uh, there's so much technology and information that's right at our fingertips. It's easier for an individual to come up with something amazing. Well, right, know? and a lot of them are like simple, maybe two, three hour games that just right. 
have a very solid storyline. Sure, but... like like Undertale, like freaking looks simple as hell, but the story and this the gameplay is very clever, very well done. Yeah, and you mentioned cinema, and I feel like a lot of, and of course this is an arguable point, um, but I feel like a lot of the recent video games that I've played have surpassed cinema. Oh, I would totally agree with that. In both story and, uh, well, well, especially story. I mean, if you look at The Last of Us, um, mm-hmm. and that was a game that came out after I'd already been exposed to like the open world setting, and I became uh, become addicted to it, like mm-hmm. with Fallout and Far Cry and games mm-hmm. like that. And I, I loved the idea of of literally being able to go anywhere and do anything, um, mm-hmm. at any time and in any order, um. But, you know, people were freaking out about The Last of Us and just, like, I mean, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. every game website, magazine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I played it, and it was a, kind of a step back to the linear gameplay that I hadn't been doing that much. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's like you were saying with, like, Firewatch, like, it almost feels open world. Mm-hmm. You can explore these beautiful environments. Mm-hmm. Um, almost as much as you want, but you're still following a very linear story yeah. path, and most of the story is told for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, but it's it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's an incredible story, and it. I actually cried a couple of times playing that game, yeah, and I'm so well I don't done. even cry during most movies. Mm-hmm. I was um, the same way. And I mean, then, the very uh, beginning, right? The yeah. Very beginning. The ending also just was a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, you know the telltale telltale games uh that they're coming out with now i mean like uh the walking dead it's uh another ex- like example of like a linear gameplay mm-hmm. and there are a lot of quick t- quick time events that i never thought that i would like but i actually really appreciate the slow pacing of it mm-hmm. and the quick time events because it really opens the path for more storytelling and decision making mm-hmm. um and it is more focused on decision making and storytelling mm-hmm. than it is gameplay. Yeah. But that is definitely like a, a new medium that uh, I feel like has been just barely explored. And I feel like they've done it so well up to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, I mean, video games are such a, it's such a dynamic media or medium, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, especially the, like the three of us are people that grew up with that and mm-hmm. people of our generations grew up with that and it's such an integral part of our life which is sort of why i think there's it lends itself to have some sort of urban legends around some of the games yeah that are really interesting which is kind of what we want to talk about mm-hmm. today yeah so if like people are wondering what we're talking about we kind of touched on this already but that we are doing kind of like a two-part series on urban legends because we were studying last week um for the like the one we did with emily and we realized oh my gosh there's so many video game related urban legends in here so we decided we should just do an episode just dedicate that to video game urban legends so that's what we're doing this week yeah there's so much and it's also a subject i think is very near and dear to all three of our hearts Mm -hmm. we all love video games and the these urban legends which we did research on them but i would think that all three of us probably heard some stuff growing up yeah we we knew about this yeah uh from the beginning yeah right? i mean developers have always left like easter eggs or something in games that you know you're <laughs> everybody's looking for and 
Well, yeah, that was another thing that I wanted to touch on is just like the fact that cheat codes exist going back to the initial Konami code. What was that? Oh, left, yeah. left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, start. I think a- it was a- a- up, a- down, B, up, start. down, left, right, left, right, A, B, something. Yeah. 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 So like we've always been aware of this like concept that things were hidden in video games and pre-internet, you know, you just had to figure the stuff out or yeah. mm-hmm. hear it from a friend of a friend of a friend. And hearing it from a friend of a friend of a friend is how all urban legends start also. Uh, right, so, yeah. So there is a a wealth of urban legends surrounding video games, and mm-hmm. I think that's probably the reason why. Uh, so if one of you guys wanted to jump in with yeah. one of your urban legends, or let's just kick it off with uh, Polybius, which, uh, Sydney, you did some research on Polybius. It's so, a great sequel to Alien. <laughs> Prometheus. <laughs> 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 wow, I just got that. <laughs> yeah. I forgive both of you. Uh, the pronunciation is questionable, too. I, it could be Polybius or Polybius. Uh, mm. I don't know if anyone really knows. but mm-hmm. um, So this is something that I've been interested in for actually probably I heard about it four or five years ago. Just it's an, widely an internet urban legend. I mean, and that's how a lot of them spread these days, of course. Yeah. Um. But, uh, so Polybius was supposedly this arcade game that appeared on a very limited release back in 1981 in, uh, Portland, Oregon and areas surrounding Portland. And, um, it just appeared in a few, like, kind of, uh, like backwoods arcades in random towns. And, um, the legend goes that, uh, when kids would play it, it was highly addictive and they would develop um so like some had seizures some of them had like sleep disturbances uh and one of my favorite quotes was that some had experienced after playing the game for prolonged periods of time the inability to feel sad hmm. and that was crazy <laughs> yeah that was what really intrigued me because that is uh terrifying to me <laughs> like yeah just that sentence like the inability to feel sad like what yeah. what does that even mean <laughs> um just the game just devoids you of emotion I, yeah and uh so supposedly um in 1980 the u.s government or some branch of the u.s government approached atari and asked them to develop an addictive video game, an addictive arcade game. And this is something that actually happened. This right? is the a legend has it. Okay, it's, I thought there was documents. On it. I yeah, I, that's why I wanted to um, like start this by saying legend has it, mm-hmm. right? Because none of this is confirmed, and it's mm-hmm. by most people's uh, thinking, it is definitely just an urban legend. Yeah. Um, there is one supposedly surviving photograph of it, and you could Google it. Just type in Polybius, and uh, this photograph will pop up on Google Images. Um, and also the title screen. And that's spelled? Uh, P-O-L-Y-B-I-U-S. Polybius. And so supposedly the U.S. government approached Atari to uh, develop an addictive video game that they could plant in like small-town America. So think like... If you've ever seen, like, The Body Snatchers or The Faculty, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was, like, the teen version of that, it's, like, you know, what better place to start taking over the world than at a place that nobody's going to expect yeah, it yeah. in these kind of backwater towns. So 
So supposedly Polybius was the result of that, and it was uh, supposed to be similar to like a kind of a shoot 'em up kind of game, and it had kind of like flashing lights and just kind of disturbing images. Supposedly every week, men in black suits, and this is part of the men in black legend too. Okay. Uh, supposedly men in black suits would come into the arcades and collect data from the machines. They promptly disappeared very soon after appearing and causing all of these problems with these uh, uh, children and teenagers that were playing the games and developing all these um, like kind of mental health issues because of it. You know, the legend kind of like came to light in i think 1998 there was a post about it on a like video game website where they were talking about all of this uh and how like the u.s government was involved in it and stuff and then it was kind of brought back to life in 2006 on an internet forum uh when some guy went on and said that he had knowledge of it and that he like worked for a company that supposedly developed it and he like named off all of these things and it supposedly like kind of validated all of okay. these people's uh, idea of this legend and what they had heard of it. And they were like, yes, this definitely existed. Yeah. Um, but by all accounts, it did not. But it is probably, I don't know, the most infamous. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but a video game urban legend. Right. It's do, one of the biggest is what I'm trying to say. Do they explain why the government wanted to do that? Just to kind of like make people yeah, what was more the docile? Objective? Or what was the objective? Yeah. I think it was sort of like... Uh, supposedly maybe like a subliminal messaging type thing because subliminal messaging Mm -hmm. uh was supposedly a big deal back in the day which is an episode we're gonna do in the future Um, oh that's oh yeah yeah we totally (laughs) that'd be a lot of fun and then uh you know that was i think 1981 was only maybe like less than 10 years after project mk ultra was um nixed Mm. um which is actually did happen like government Mm -hmm. mind control experiments and things Mm -hmm. like that i mean that were extra legal or uh what's the word um uh, clandestine yeah yeah i like that word extra legal like (laughs) as if it's not illegal it's (laughs) just more than uh no the the word i was looking for was clandestine um so uh i think was cia was mk ultra right I think so. Yeah. And so, but anyway, it was just a few years after that had happened. And, uh, uh, about the time that this legend kind of came back to light in like the early 2000s was when I think those, those files were declassified from NK mm-hmm. Ultra in like 2001. Wow. And then this urban legend, like, not to say that those are related, but I'm just kind of tying things together in my head here of like people kind of probably started worrying about what the government was doing and all these kind of urban legends from back in that time mm-hmm. started coming back. Um, uh, to light on the internet and uh, Polybius was one of them and it it was supposedly yeah like a men in black kind of situation where they were trying to like implant messages into these kids head heads or whatever but I always found that really interesting and Mm -hmm. there's really zero evidence that it ever existed yeah that's what's insane is that there I mean the the photos you see online of that look photoshopped I mean, are they photoshopped or are they actual images that people claim that they've taken of the machines? It's what, it's what they <laughs> claim, right? It's what they're claiming that it's like there's a black and white photo of the arcade game and they claim yeah. that that is like okay. the surviving image of one of them. Okay. Which I've seen that picture and I'm not well versed enough in Photoshop to say that it's not real because it looks real to me. I Which, think that picture uh, has been around for a while. Like, What year did that 
this take place? This ex- experiment. Nineteen eighty-one. Okay. So supposedly the government approached Atari in eighty. Okay. And then this thing started popping up in uh, the small towns and areas surrounding Portland. Which okay, there's one thing there that. I do want to say, like, we're talking about 1981, and if you remember any of the arcades from that time, or the technology from that time, you had very one-dimensional, very simple games. You had... Frogger? Was that, no, was I don't, that uh, Frogger then? was way later. Was it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you Pong? Had, yeah, you had Pong, Pong, and you had, like, um, Asteroids. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, very, very simple stuff. And it blows my mind to think that you could take that technology and, you know, subliminally, like, influence Mm -hmm. somebody. I think by 81, though, the the arcade games were a bit more advanced than they were when they kind of started popping up in, like, the mid-70s, right? That's when they started. Mid to late 70s. They're still at the beginning of it. it Oh, yeah, it was very beginning. I'm not not saying that it was any sort of Mm -hmm. advanced thing, but I think that... Um, just thinking about like how people interprets what what they th- believe to be subliminal imaging or sub- subliminal messaging mm-hmm. is like uh you know if you lo- you watch a movie like Fight Club, it's like very like half f- or like one frame sh- like just pictures of something that are just uh uh like put into a movie or something like Tyler Durden is mm-hmm. like running the cinema at night mm-hmm. or in theater at night and he just puts in like a huge penis on the screen and uh, like you know images of porn in the mm-hmm. middle of a cartoon that kids are watching and they like start crying for no reason or what appears to be no reason but yeah. they can't explain why so that the idea of people the idea of subliminal messaging is like flashes that yeah. that your brain supposedly picks up subliminally right. but that your conscious brain doesn't like totally understand so i feel like arcade games would be if if we're to believe that subliminal messaging works mm-hmm. i feel like arcade games could possibly be like the perfect medium for that because of all the flashing lights and images just sure. constantly going across the screen at all times yeah th- this is slightly unrelated but didn't they insert like subliminal messages or but pictures within frames of like the shining to uh, make it more scary i don't know about the I, shining but i can okay. i can point to several movies where there were <laughs> Things yeah. slipped into movies. Um, Just about any Disney movie. Well, yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about Disney movie stuff, but it's not yeah. just Disney. It's also Warner Brothers and mm-hmm. lots of other things. But stuff like that, I, I think with almost... You can point to almost any sort of gigantic creative project where there's a ton of people working on it. You're going to have some frustrated working frustrated worker working long hours that Mm -hmm. are like i'm not gonna be recognized for this so i'm going to slip in some (laughs) weird thing that nobody's gonna catch yeah and eventually it gets caught like decades later yeah Yeah, with the advancement of technology like um i mean for example you guys know rescuers down under no or the rescuers i guess the first movie Uh uh-uh you know, oh, okay. You know, it's a, uh, it's two mice, and they're like detectives, and they oh, okay, help out people. I have stuff. an image in my head. I don't know if that's accurate. The rescuers, but... yeah, okay. and then there's the rescuers down under, which is where they go to Australia, okay. and that's a more popular movie. But in the first one, there is a half, like just a quarter of a second frame, one frame of the movie, 
where they're riding an albatross through a city and they're like flying past all these buildings and they pass by a building with a topless lady in the window. There's no yeah. way that you would ever catch that unless you couldn't even pause that correctly on a VHS tape mm-hmm. to catch that. It took like the right technology to find that frame, and now we see it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, yeah. Somebody snuck that in. <laughs> That's well, good for them. <laughs> Which I think that sort of lends to this whole thing about video game urban legends. You have so mm-hmm. many people working on this huge thing, like yeah. people that are just like small time workers. They're yeah. like not yeah. making that much money. Yeah, it's always funny, like, games especially like Fallout or Skyrim or those big open world games where you know that there's just one guy who's been working on this room for, like, freaking months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's got to have a good time somehow. Yeah. (laughs) So he stacks the teddy bears, you know, humping or something, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so I have a couple urban legends that I had researched and had heard about in the past. The first one... I know that you guys weren't huge into Pokemon, and I know I've already told you guys this story, but I feel like it's still a good urban legend. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, I mean, like you're po- talking about Pokemon Black, Pokemon Black, which before the actual Pokemon Black came out, wh- however many years ago. But this was like during Pokemon Yellow, um, Blue, and Red Age, which were the first three. Okay, so they used to make. Uh, people used to mod these games. They used to mod the cartridges in the in the Game Boy before, uh, like actual, like easy to come by mods exist. Like pe- programmers would get a hold of these cartridges, then reprogram it the way they liked it. And usually they were really shoddy and didn't operate well. They were super buggy. And uh, but however, so I've been I've read this in several places, and I've had a couple people tell me this story, and I think it's super fascinating. I don't know how true it is, but of course it's an urban legend. Um, so a guy had found in a flea market a copy of Pokemon Black, and it basically was just a blank cartridge, a black cartridge that just said Pokemon Black on it, and that was that was it. <laughs> Sounds so yeah, urban, kind of kind of shady. Yeah. He just kind of stumbled across it, and this is a guy who he he said he was a kind of a collector of these uh, modded cartridges because they were just kind of fun. Some people would have like little fun uh, details that they added that. Uh, he just enjoyed it. And so it was interesting to see what people would do. And so he started playing this one, and he noticed right off the bat that um, whenever you start up the screen, you know, you see your main character, Red. And uh, it first off, it doesn't cycle through Pokemon. You only have the one Pokemon. And uh, you start the game, and you pick one of your three starter Pokemon, and you get it. And then on top of that, you also have a ghost Pokemon that's in your bag. And uh, this ghost only has one attack, and that's called Curse. And this Pokemon cannot die. You can use it at any time. And he found that when you use Curse, it immediately uh, defeats whatever Pokemon you're facing. So, of course, that's what he did throughout the entire game. But here's the interesting thing, is that whenever he used Curse, it would the Pokemon would disappear. Its health bar would go away, and the Pokeball that that trainer would have would go away. Like it had died. That was what it was implying. Mm-hmm. And so you would eventually kill all, you would kill all their Pokemon with curse, and then it would get to the trainer, and you could curse the trainer, and then he would be, there would just be a gravestone where that one was. So you could go through the entire game, kill all the sprites, and then it would shoot you right, once you finished the game, defeated the Elite Four, it would, you would get right back into your hometown, and uh, you would be this old man. <laughs> and you walk around and eventually you find a 
you have no Pokemon. You're just a frail old man wandering around this open overworld, and everybody's dead, and you find one place where, like, a tree hadn't been cut you can get through, and find ghosts, like, confronting you, like you're in a battle with it. And every time you hit it, it just says you hurt yourself, and you lose a little bit of health. And then you have to keep fighting. It never fights back. And then you have to keep fighting it, and eventually... Once you're down to one health point, it kills you. And then that's the end of the game. And then in the credits, it scrolls through all of the Pokemon that you had killed. And then it goes through all the trainers that you have killed. And that's the end of the game. Oh <laughs> it's just like God. a really dark take on Pokemon. Wow. <laughs> you just kill everything. Um, that's yeah. insane. But, so that is not a confirmed legend. Like we haven't, yeah, he said, we don't know if that's real. The story he says he lost, he can't find it. He can't find the cartridge that, that he had of that now, you know? So there's just a picture of it. You can find online. That's about it. That reminds me a lot of, um, if you're going to talk about, uh, things that are hidden in video games, Hideo Kojima, who of, uh, uh, Metal Gear solid fame, is like the king of Easter eggs in video mm-hmm. games, which I don't know how much either of you have played any sort of Metal Gear Solid game. It's something that I used to play all the mm-hmm. time as a kid. And going back to what we were talking about before, like back then you only had so many video games. So we would play the hell out of those games and we would find those Easter eggs, even though we mm-hmm. weren't looking them up online. Like we would just play them so much that we found them. And one of the games in, uh, I think it's Metal Gear Solid 3, very similar to that because most of the Metal Gear Solid games have an option. You can go through the entire game without killing anyone. You can knock them out or hit them with a sleeping dart or something and you can get there because it's supposed to be a stealth game. Yeah. But in Metal Gear Solid 3, there's a level that you get to where you're in a dream state and you're walking you're just like trudging through some like shin high water Mm-hmm. And um, you're walking past all these dead bodies. And me and my friend Graham, who played this game, realized that if you played the game without killing a single person, you would just walk through a completely clear uh, path. <laughs> really? The game kept a record of every single oh, person wow. you killed in the game. And whenever you got to that level, you had to walk past every dead body <laughs> of everyone that you walked. Oh, my gosh. Which was amazing that that's the level of so clever yeah which hideo kojima also um of the fame of pt the famously debunked or famously like uh canceled yeah yeah canceled game um of silent hills oh yeah which i'm so bummed about that because he would have been the perfect person for that because of the level of detail that he has when it comes to video games the freaking playable trailer for that was mind-blowing. Yeah, it really was. It's, to this day, the best horror game I've ever played, and it wasn't even a full, <laughs> no, wasn't even yeah. a full game. Uh, yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. I remember uh, Torrance uh, was lucky enough to get that on his PlayStation at the time, like, before mm-hmm. they had canceled it. Yeah. And I remember playing that in his old apartment, and, like, all the lights out, just oh playing God, that game. terrifying. And, oh... <laughs> Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah, and for a playable trailer to have so many different outcomes, like everyone yeah. had a different experience when they played mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It was just an, a ridiculous amount of work to be put into something that was just, uh, that, that was 
that yeah. never came to fruition. And freaking so hard to get to fr- the end. <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah. What I don't understand is why they didn't... W- they couldn't work out their differences because that Player Bowl trailer caused, had so much buzz around it. They could have made so much money on oh, it. Yeah. yeah. So many people have bought Which is that. why it had to have been just catastrophic, the falling yeah. out that had happened. It must have been. Hideo and Kojima had been with Konami since like the early 80s, hadn't he? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the first uh, Metal Gear Solid game back there, like, maybe, way back in Maybe the day. not the early 80s, but... It was in the 80s, Was though. it in the 80s? That's yeah. what I thought. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's been with them for forever, so I don't... I honestly don't know what the full story is, but it, like you said, it had to be catastrophic, because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. was such a bankable game. Oh, like, yeah. Totally. If Everybody that, who if had, that had yeah. come a out, chance to play it loved it. And you had Norman Reedus... As the mm-hmm. protagonist, yeah, though. which would have been amazing. Everything about it seemed fantastic. I yeah, I really want. I will probably eventually know what the story was behind it, but yeah, it makes no sense. It seems like that's a money making scheme for I hope everyone they, involved. I hope they dig it up someday and finish it someday. I hope it just changes hands or something, and it eventually yeah. comes out because mm-hmm. that was. And Guillermo del Toro was also on yeah, board. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, about that's that. right. Yeah, you had <laughs> pretty much a trifecta there. Yeah, yeah, you had a fantastic group of people working on that. Yeah, and we're not the first people to talk about this. <laughs> no. It's just such a bummer. It's, yeah, it it's really hard is. not to talk about it in a video game yeah. episode that we're doing. Yeah. Um, uh, but Torrance, did you have one? I have another urban legend, but. I'll say the one that I was thinking of, and okay. uh, actually me and Sydney were talking about it, I think, last night, um, also Pokemon-related. Yay. But I think that mine was, well, I'll go ahead and say what it is, is there's a Pokemon game where uh, it was rumored that it would cause kids to have seizures. Oh, yeah. That was the Lavender Town Syndrome, that's what they called it. Oh, that. you know what yeah. it is? Okay, yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, and we were talking about that, and we realized that there's also there there's a same story about the TV show and stuff. And I think it was probably rooted in some sort of realistic thing because now you, mm-hmm. I think that might have caused what we like the warnings we now see on some video games are like if you're prone to epileptic seizures, this game does have flashes mm-hmm. that might cause that or. Mm-hmm. That yeah. sort of thing, but yeah, as a in my mind, whenever it was told to me, this is what makes it an urban legend. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I was told like, yeah, if you play this game, like there's all these kids that played it, and mm-hmm. they got to a certain level, and they passed out, and they woke <laughs> up later, and yeah, they're confused, and yeah, it was like a sort of weird brainwashing right thing. Which they also uh, the same in the same realm, like the Lavender Town Syndrome. There was an a supposed, this is another urban legend, increase in suicides in Japan because of the music in Lavender Town. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's really slow, ominous 8-bit music. I mean, how can 8-bit music really be that creepy? But It can be creepy. It, yeah. It really can be creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> but, yeah, so apparently it was, uh, I don't know, It this, I don't know if it's the music itself or what, but it I mean, depressed we can children. <laughs> have uh, Alex... Cook us up some eight bit creepy yeah, music. Let's do it. <laughs> Alex, you're listening. Cook us up I some eight bit creepy that music. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, Pokemon was something I never got into, and I don't know. I think it was a mixture of the fact that it never really intrigued me. Also, 
um i uh my mom didn't like it she well she didn't like anime yeah we like yeah i was i was telling the two of you earlier like there were very few things that Mm -hmm. like you both were more sheltered as far as pop culture was concerned than i was Mm -hmm. i was allowed to play or watch anything pretty much that uh, the only thing that my mom had an issue with, and I agree with her on this, was anything that was, like, graphically sexual or that depicted any sort of mm-hmm. sexual violence or, um, like, even a sex scene in a movie that was a little bit too far, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that was the line mm-hmm. for her. Um, but I uh, remember... <laughs> That I was, yeah. So I was, I pretty much had access to most you know, video games uh, or whatever. Um, but Pokemon, she just hated anime. <laughs> she hated the way it looked, and I yeah. think that as I got older, it, it kind of bothered me too. A lot of it. Sure. Um, I mean, I played like Dragon Ball Z when I was little, but like mm-hmm. with the Pokemon thing, she just didn't want it on her TV. She didn't want to have to look I gotcha. at it. But you're talking about like the anime because it was a show, but it was a game first. Yeah. Um, and but you guys said you didn't do handhelds. So, no, no. I never got into handhelds either. Yeah, I bullshit. Never, <laughs> I yeah, loved I just, Pokemon on Game Boy. I mean, I had a I had a Game Boy Color, mm-hmm. um, and I, I remember, actually, it was my sister's, and she just didn't want it anymore, I guess, and I ended up with it, and mm-hmm. I, I played, like, Spyro on it, but I it just, Spyro. it just didn't, it, it, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. But, um, so I think that's, like, there were just a number of reasons I never got into Pokemon, but I th- I thought it yeah. was funny that my mom just hated the way it looked. <laughs> I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that most people um, our age know of Pokemon or have played it or, like, were into it. It well, just seems like a, if you don't a millennial know, thing. If you don't know of Pokemon... <laughs> There's nobody who doesn't know of Pokemon. I mean, like, yeah. I mean... I feel like you would have had to literally it. have lived in a cave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but who's so, played it and, like, we're acting yeah, right, it. Right, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, it was something I was always very yeah. aware of. I just, I yeah. literally, to this day, even after the whole Pokemon Go thing happened, and I, I use past tense happen because <laughs> who else is doing yeah. that? Oh, yeah, so it I actually, died so quickly. I actually it, pulled yeah. it up today. It's got a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, it, I think that I think it probably died the moment that Hillary Clinton tried to use it in a Pokemon oh Go to gosh. the polls. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a disaster. I was like, all right, this isn't cool this anymore. Is dead. God yeah. damn it, Hillary! <laughs> you ruined everything. But uh... <laughs> your emails. <laughs> mm. Um, there were uh, a couple more that uh, I've been aware of for a while, probably. Uh, I feel like a lot of these come from cracked articles. I'm not remembering. Um, anyway, but there was, uh, I think it was Super Mario Galaxy 2. It, there's like a, there's a level in it in like, you know, of course it's a platformer game. Yeah. Do you have to take a break? No, 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 no. Oh. I was just thinking, because I, I feel like I've heard something about Super Mario Galaxy 2, and I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, I mean, you probably heard this. I mean, it's a pretty popular urban legend, but there's a... I think it looks kind of like a space level, but um, you can... I mean, of course, you're just jumping from platform to platform, getting through this level, mm-hmm. and you're typically not going to notice the surroundings in a game like that. Like, you're not going to stop mm-hmm. and take it all in. You know, it's not an open-world game. It's not like that. But uh, if you look around... 
with the joystick or the analog stick or whatever, if you look around and look up in the mountains of this certain level, mm-hmm. you can see these figures in the distance up on this mountain, and they're just kind of dark, shadowy figures. Yeah. You're saying if you look up with the analog control... Yeah, you can do, like, the uh, like the look button, mm-hmm. um, and you can look around, and you can look up, and you're in kind of a valley, um, and you can look up, and you see these, like, shadowy figures, and they kind of look like they could be trees, they look like they could be whatever, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of... Uh, an, an, a weird like an oddity of it and so people started kind of combing through the game files uh to find out what they were because it was freaking people out Mm -hmm. and when they combed through the game files whoever did this they found that uh this level like the game file name for the level was hell valley and there was no level in the game called hell valley and that's Mm. not even a mario like type of name for a level like yeah yeah um and so this legend, this urban legend, is called the Shadow People of Hell Valley mm. in this game. Because when you zoom in on them or you pull the game file, the picture of them, uh, it's really creepy. Like, if you're listening, you should look it up. Um, you, They're just, like, humanoid-type forms. They're just mm-hmm. shadows, and their eyes are completely empty. They're completely, like, cutouts. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like you can see. I saw the same through, article that you're talking you about. You can see yeah. through their eyes to like oh. the the sky behind them. Yeah, that's um, creepy. And so no one knows why they're there, and they're just kind of watching you, kind of like happily jump through this Mario level in this game. <laughs> yeah, uh, this kids game, and it's it's really uh, bizarre that that would be in a kids game. I mean. Like who thought to put that there and why and was it something that they were that they were planning on doing with them and mm-hmm. they just accidentally got left in there mm-hmm. like it was some kind of like a scrapped idea or was it purposely yeah. put in there to freak us out no one really knows yeah it's like this guy who had just been working there for like a decade and just like son of a bitch I'm tired of drawing rainbows and sunshine <laughs> these freaking <laughs> children with their Mario but yeah and then uh, another kind of uh, noteworthy one uh, within the Mario universe as well is in Luigi's Mansion. And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that one is pretty well known. Obviously, you guys have heard of it. I, I think you actually talked about that on the podcast recently. I think we breezed by it, but I don't think we got into it. Yeah. I may have mentioned it, but what it is is you you go to the uh, attic in this game and uh lightning is striking through like the one window behind you and yeah. uh if you like pause the screen and like uh a video of like watching the game or whatever um when lightning strikes you can see like a silhouette or like Luigi's shadow and it looks like it's uh hanging mm-hmm. from the ceiling yeah and so um like, I had read things like, you know, again, like, with the shadow people. Like, maybe they put... The game creators just put that in there to kind of subliminally freak people out. Or, like, hopefully they would find it and be freaked out by it. But the most plausible explanation that I heard was that uh, it was a lighting mechanics thing in the game. So that, like, what happened was the lighting in the game was coming from one specific source in like the mansion it was like below it was below luigi in in the attic and so 
when the light came like through the window the game read it as it was coming from below him and it cast his shadow higher than it should have been mm. So that was the most plausible explanation. But, of course, people that saw that were like, yeah. Luigi hanged himself. And supposedly, yeah. like, it created this whole theory, like, this whole fan theory about the game that mm. supposedly Luigi is dead in the game and he's living out this nightmare. Yeah, well, that's a way more interesting way to play the it's game. It's more interesting if you think yeah. of it that way. And, like, it's a really cool legend. But I think the definitely the plausible explanation is the lighting mechanics in the game. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like right in line with like the Tomb Raider Laura Croft thing like it was just a scripting error that like caused oh. her boobs to be too big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it? It was supposed to, like instead of They made like, her boobs like two pixels larger than anticipated. Like it was because of the format change, I guess, whenever they finally I don't know I don't, I don't but know. That, the science, that's but a little whatever. bit different because they knew about it going into it and mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, actually let's Let's run like, with this. Yeah, let's whatever. Let's, let's do this. Uh, make her Madonna. <laughs> yeah. But and then yeah, for the for the Angelina Jolie film, they padded her up to a double D for it to play Lara Croft. Uh, like they yeah. did, they just totally went along to with it. To be true to the game, yeah. Oh, I didn't know they had to pad her. I, yeah, I don't. I think she is a C natural. Well, was a C naturally. She had a double mastectomy. She did. Um, but so they padded her up to a double D to, of course. Well, because why not? Mm-hmm. I feel uncomfortable talking about a woman's breasts. Double D's. <laughs> Double D's. Um, anyway, so Ben has something that I've been wanting to talk about and save yeah. it because yeah, I, I know that I'm going to go on and on. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's very interesting. I, I may. I hope I didn't hype it up too much. But so this is about Fallout Three. Um, there is a. I don't know if you necessary. I would call it an urban legend ish it falls in the category but anyway so here's what it is so there is a uh, point in the game um where you can kind of jump ahead it's, it's one of the missions that involves one of the radio stations and uh, you could jump ahead galaxy and news radio it, it revolves around galaxy news radio and there's a time you can go ahead and i think it's raven rock is the the place you can go and destroy something over there but anyways basically you destroy the radio station before you do the quest for it and it, after that, you'll eventually have an option to see um, a numbers radio that pops up occasionally. And when you listen to it, it Morse code follows. And people have mm. looked at this Morse code and strung it out. And here's some of the things they have found. Um, the one that got everybody's attention was that uh, it it that it would give morse code these to these numbers which was one two five five two eight two zero one one two zero one zero and uh if you take that it's a time and date that is the exact day and this is before this had happened the exact date of gary coleman's death Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Reaching. I know. It feels like it. You can pick out any celebrity that died on any sort of. I know. I know. But they—that's what they did. (laughs) But however, it goes. This is what makes it sound like a actual prediction, is because that the longer you play the game, the more you tune to this radio station. It does start to say things that are relevant to the future like it one of them said uh i can't believe the queen died today on march 19th to 2012 or 2014 or and there's another one that pops up that says uh i can't believe britney won the oscars in 2023 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. This sounds like some bullshit. <laughs> this, I mean, it probably. Morse code it, said, "I can't believe Britney won the Oscars." No, no, this 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 other stuff I don't think is Morse code. It just says this. It just says that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, wow. I mean, as we know, the Queen didn't die in 2014 mm-hmm. and all that stuff. The Gary Coleman thing, that's the only one that they can really tie to an actual event, but that's still, in my opinion, reaching. But there is, like, a a, a list of some things that kind of break away from the universe into the real world that's kind of weird. Like, why did they put that in there? It's like they were trying to make predictions and just weren't successful on a lot of them. That just sounds like another example of a, a video game creator, like just fucking around yeah. and adding things in that they think are funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I, I like that idea. <laughs> I do too. Oh, I would definitely, too. Yeah, totally. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Is yeah. this confirmed though? Like we, we like, have you found YouTube videos? Oh yeah. You of, can go look this stuff up. This is, this is confirmed, which I guess that could be faked, but yeah, I've never heard of that. I've never That's heard of that either. Uh-huh. I'm not as familiar with fallout three as I am with new Vegas, even though fallout three was my first, introduction to the fallout games Mm -hmm. and it was also my first introduction to that type of game like it changed the way that i the rpg yeah it was uh it changed the way that i thought of like what video games could be because i i was behind on the times i wasn't someone who could afford a new console every time it came out so Mm -hmm. i was typically five to six years behind Mm -hmm. the curb so i Picked up Fallout 3 just because it looked cool yeah. on the cover. And you could play it for hours on end and not get and it, Yeah, but uh, so weirdly, that's not my favorite. Like, New Vegas ended up being my favorite, and I know mm-hmm. that inside out. But Fallout 3, I'm not quite as familiar with, so I'm mm-hmm. not surprised that I haven't heard of this. Yeah, which I love 3. That was I probably played that the most out of all of them. Yeah, 3 it's was a, one of the ones that it's a great was game. the first one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was the first game that they did for... I mean, like, it it's a little non-canonical, a lot of the things. Like, a lot of people have issues with what Bethesda did has done with Fallout 3, especially, mm-hmm. well, with the Fallout universe. But, it's, I mean, especially with Fallout 4. Like, there are tons of issues with the with the universe and things oh, that sure. they did that are non-canonical that don't really make sense in regards yeah. to the original games from you, the 90s. They're keeping track of so many different storylines and stuff. It's, and they have well, so hard, But they should well, work hard but, either. Um, Obsidian... What they did with New Vegas was true to the original Fallout games yeah, and the storylines. But um, I still think that Fallout 3 is a, a work of art. Oh, yeah. Um, regardless of yeah. whatever issues there are with uh, the like the lore of it, mm-hmm. that it might go against some of the original lore. But there were like a lot of really creepy things in Fallout 3 that I put in there on purpose, like mm. the Dunwich building. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That um, whole Lovecraftian thing. That and it was those. a quest that was like uh, tied to a DLC. Um, mm-hmm. And there's stuff in the Dunwich building that that you can't find until you've completed the DLC. Um, and I can't remember what that was. like the swampy, ghoul-infested DLC. Oh yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but it, it leads you to Dunwich Borers to or Dun, Dunwich Borers and is in Fallout Four as a nod to Dunwich Building. But yeah, um, it leads you to Dunwich Building to like destroy this Book of the Dead. I think which yeah. is that a reference to like Evil Dead? <laughs> yeah, well, well it's, the it's nep- not the it's the Necronomicon. The Necronomicon is from which is H. from H. P. Lovecraft. Lovecraft. Yeah, um, which but is where I always associate it with Evil Dead. But sure. yeah, I just remember that it's Lovecraftian. Dead, yeah. 
but um but yeah it has this whole like you said lovecraftian like lore to it and this just weird nod to lovecraft is the entire like dunwich mm-hmm. building it's it's re- it was really well done and creepy and it was like i feel like one of the only uh supernatural elements to yeah the that, fallout series that was interesting that it did have that sort of concept to it but also mm-hmm. what i love about bethesda i mean whatever bethesda did to the storyline or to anything that's non-canonical we wouldn't have fallout now if it weren't for bethesda picking it up that's what i'm saying is like it's Mm -hmm. it's incredible what they did it's it's really good for well for us that they that they did pick that up that they did buy the rights and then that they were able to like let obsidian take the reins for new vegas because Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have new vegas i i think that you're right i think that they should just hand things over to obsidian I, really, to, I mean fallout 4 is also an incredible game but it's great mm-hmm. but yeah story-wise obsidian it, it i feel like obsidian understood the tone <coughs> better than than bethesda did and they get yeah. uh, not just the tone but they had a better concept on storytelling sure i think a video game yeah but we, it probably wouldn't have looked as nice or any of that stuff. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a, the it's thing like that plagued it was yeah. all the bugs that they had. And yeah. Everything. They I had think, a great story, but... I think the reason Obsidian did so well with it is because they had at least a couple of the original creators of Fallout 3. Because I think Obsidian kind of... A lot of the people from Obsidian were from Interplay, mm-hmm. which was uh, the original creators of, of the Fallout series. Mm-hmm. But anyway... So, so what was your or the first video game that you guys remember playing growing up? I will say that okay, and I'm kind of cheating here. I think I've told both of you guys this story, but uh, the first video game I really remember enjoying, and I know it's not actually the first because I had played video games at my cousin's house or whatever. But whenever I was a kid, my parents got me a Super Nintendo for Christmas once and it was so cool it was so awesome and it was Super Mario World it was really awesome but my Mm -hmm. favorite memory with and maybe like my favorite first video game from that was uh, so so my mom was like hey guys I'm gonna go for a run real quick and she like went down to the end of the driveway and just like alright guys I'll see you in a little bit I'm gonna go for a jog and she started running down the road. And as soon as my mom was out of earshot, my dad turned to me and he was like, hey, do you want to play Street Fighters? I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to play Street Fighters. So me and him ran back into the house and he pulled out of like the closet <laughs> Street Fighters, which they had been planning to give me for my birthday. But my dad was so excited to play it that mm-hmm. he <laughs> was sneaking behind my mom's back to play that game with me so oh, me and my dad great. played street fighters like he was ken and i was ryu or ryu <laughs> yeah and uh and then i had to and he made me promise to not tell my mom about that you <laughs> broke your promise That's if your amazing. mom ever listens to this yeah i know i just yeah i did but that was really fun at least for me because that was like a weird that was like the last time i had a connection with my dad with video games anyway mm-hmm. because then video games got too complicated my dad could not understand when n64 was understandably because the n64 controller was stupid yeah pretty it was pretty bananas that it controller was totally <laughs> it had it was like a controller for somebody with three hands yeah it was <laughs> ridiculous like the, what was the point the trident yeah, <laughs> it's such a strange control. Make any yeah. sense? So, 
that was the last game that was simple enough for my dad to play, and me and him were like just always kicking each other's asses on. But matched for the win. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, like for me, Street Fighters, I will probably put that as like my first video game. Even though it's not, mm-hmm. it's a first important video. Isn't game it just to me. Street Fighter? Oh, instead of Street Isn't Fighters, it? just Street Fighter. I, yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, I don't know. It no, doesn't you, matter, but I would, thought I was wrong this whole time. So. No, I think you're right. Honestly, anyway, Whatever. but yeah, that's uh, that was a game that semantics. That's the most important video game to me, yeah. childhood wise. Cool. That's what about weird. you guys? I love that story. That's so cute. You've told it me is, that before. I know I did. Uh, it is a cute story. Because I know your dad and your your mom, of course, and I can just like picture Greg like <laughs> looking at his young son like, you play Street Fighter? <laughs> as soon as mom's like over the horizon. That's awesome. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, I also remember that my... Because every time I beat my dad, which honestly were pretty evenly matched back then. Yeah. In fact, my dad beat the game for me, which was a big deal. But <laughs> every time I beat my dad, I was like, oh, I killed you. And my dad was like, no, no, no. Son, you knocked me out. We're not <laughs> killing each other in this there's, game. There's a fine line here. <laughs> yeah, this is the only yeah. reason we can play this. <laughs> yeah. You tell yourself what you want to tell yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that were my, my cousins were very way more sheltered than I was growing up, and they would come over. We always had video games. My dad was huge into video games. I mean, um, before I was born, and uh, <laughs> he he came over once, and my cousin was playing Halo with my little brother, and he just lost his shit at the fact of killing. He saw the blood, and he was like, "This is of the devil." <laughs> 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 he was like, "Calm down." This is of the devil. Yeah, he laughs at that story now, but it was just so ridiculous <laughs> at the time. Yeah, but, uh, what was? Uh, well, there's that story, but did you want to jump? Oh yeah, my him? first. Well, I mean, okay, so like the ones that were most nostalgic. Maybe it's just because I've been playing recently, but Crash was definitely a big one. Um, my, we always had computer games growing up, though. So like, I remember. <laughs> The computer games. I'm sorry. I'm slurring. Torrance, I wasn't gonna react. I know. And then... You guys always react. <laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> sorry, I leaned away from the mic. <laughs> it didn't. Help. It didn't. <laughs> but uh, so we always had computer games, and uh, so I always played like Doom and Quake. I loved those games, even though my mom hated that. We liked those games because all the violence. Mm-hmm. But. Oh my gosh. That's pretty gratuitous violence, too, in those games, isn't it? It is, but I think the way that my dad had justified it at the time was that you're killing demons. <laughs> I feel you know? like that should be ten times worse. <laughs> okay, I get, demons? That. I get that. As opposed to killing people? Playing anything demonic. Yeah. I, oh, feel, like, okay. I feel like in a Christian household, that would be totally I not see. okay. I see. You know what I mean? I can I see, I I can see the other direction of, like... It's it's a good thing that you're killing demons. Yeah. This is a Christian game. No, well, that was actually come to think of it. Another thing that I did say that my mom was okay with anything that was not sexually graphic, but mm. another thing she was not okay with was like the spiritistic kind of like demonic uh-huh. types of stuff, which I also understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. Anyway, that reminded me that that, that was another thing mm-hmm. that she wasn't okay with. Anyway, continue. Yeah, but so those are the probably the the earliest games that I remember playing because I had a PlayStation 1. We had an NES, so I remember going over to my uncle's and we would play like Super Mario Brothers 3 or uh, Duck Hunt or 
you know, all of those games. But I think the one that made the most impact early on was Crash. Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> oh, Crash. Yep. Crash, Crash, Crash. <laughs> Sorry. Neocortex. <laughs> uh-huh. So, Sydney? Um, well, you mentioned Crash. That was a big deal for me, but that was kind of later on. I, th- I, mm-hmm. I don't remember if I played him on... Surely I played him on PS1 yeah. and probably picked it back up later, like mid-2000s when I had my GameCube. Um, I remember, I think the first video game I probably ever played was Mortal Kombat. Ooh. Okay, I played and some Mortal Kombat. That was uh, another thing with my sister had all the cool technology at her dad's house. <laughs> and I went, uh, I don't know if it was this was just one time that this happened. Or if it feels like it was several times, because I think all I did over this entire weekend I was there was play that game. Because that was probably when my obsession started, come to think of it, because I don't think I had ever played a video game before then, like okay. with it, like in a console setting at least. Like uh-huh. maybe I had kind of messed with a, an arcade game once or twice. Uh-huh. But I, I'm remembering this like whole weekend now, like my sister got really upset with me because I didn't want to come out and talk to any members of her family. I just wanted to stay <laughs> in her room and play this video game. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's where the obsession started. I was probably five or six. Gotcha. Um, uh, at a year maybe after that, uh, I'm just kind of guessing at years and numbers here, mm-hmm. but we got a Nintendo 64 mm-hmm. and I remember the first two video games we had for it were Mario Kart 64. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell, yeah. Of I course. That. Classic. And then also, there was a game called Nightmare Creatures. Oh, my God. And um, so, of course, we had this, like, family fun, friendly kind of Mario Kart. You know, mm-hmm. anybody can play that, and it's totally innocent. Mm-hmm. Then we... Also t- got this horror, like survival horror game mm-hmm. that is set in like 1800s <coughs> streets of England. Mm-hmm. And there are like zombies, werewolves, and all kinds of just random monsters everywhere. And you're, there's this, it had an incredible soundtrack. And I think I've probably told the story on the podcast of how I went like 10 years looking for the PlayStation 1 disc of this game because uh-huh. it has the soundtrack as a CD on it. Oh. I don't know if I told that, but I, uh, yeah, I, I found that out years and years after, and I was like, I have to find a PlayStation 1 copy of this because that soundtrack was bitching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember, like, seriously, it was probably a 10-year hunt for this, and I'm not saying I was, like, rabidly looking for it, but, you know, I'd go into, like, a, a, a store, like a video game store or whatever, and look for it, and then just one random day I was in Game Exchange, and I was like, I wonder... I just kind of looked through the PS1 games if it would be there. Found it, and it was, like, the most excited I had been in years. Nice. <laughs> it was the find of the decade for me. Yeah. Like I And I popped that into my CD player, and all but, like, just two songs skipped. And I was expecting yeah. some skippage, but only, like, two songs skipped on it. And the best songs played totally through. But uh. anyway... So that was such a nostalgic trip for me <laughs> at, at 24 years of age to, like, find that. But, yeah, and then, uh, so, like, the whole family sat down to watch us play these games because it was mm-hmm. it was so novel at the time. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous that, that you were controlling this character on the TV. And, um, like, my mom was even really into Nightmare Creatures. She thought it was so cool that the, yeah. that the girl you were controlling, like, if you 
if you left her on screen for a while without moving her, she would just put her hand on her hip and start swinging her sword around like she was <laughs> like she was really bored. Yeah. And my mom thought that was so cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that. There are so many games that have that like idle animation. Yeah, yeah. You just like, left like your character got bored and was like, "Where mm-hmm. the hell are you, man?" <laughs> Come on. But yeah. so that was. Uh, that was our first console, our first two video games. And Don't we, you miss blowing on cartridges? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We rented those, actually, from uh, our local movie time video that is still somehow a thing. Oh, my God. So this place has been in our hometown since probably before any of us were born. Yeah. This place has been a thing, like a VHS rental, of course, at in the 80s and 90s. And then... Um, but that's where we rented them from. It was supposed to be a week rental, and we ended up just never taking them back. <laughs> right, the one here that's now half yeah. liquor store? That's, well, that's... it's a liquor store. They have tanning beds. They have, like, DVDs. Yacht, like like the... they, it's the Redneck Yacht Clubs. Yeah. <laughs> they like camping trips. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Uh, that's the place that I... That's the reason I still own... Um, the, from Justin from Justin because you never took it back. I, yeah. I rented that from them. I've never taken it back. I have probably a... Three thousand dollar wait <laughs> for Justin to Kelly. Yeah, how do you feel? Do you feel like what we it was did with worth those it? games? No, I was absolutely <laughs> worth it. One of the best bad movie nights ever. Yeah, it was great. But yeah, that was uh, kind of my like. I can't believe I still remember all of those details, like the movie rental place and everything. Uh, yeah, but so it great. was. I guess it was just such a big deal to me. Yeah, I remember going to movie rental places to rent games, especially yeah. which you know is unheard of nowadays. You just get anything online. Well, I uh, I ran mine from a grocery store. Oh. It's called Town and Country. <laughs> I go to Town and Country and rent video games. And I, didn't I rent. Know that was a thing. Not only rent video games, I also, me and my dad would rent an N64 from there. Wow. Yeah. It, it was insane. That's you know, cool. When I was the 90s up, were insane. They were. You know, when I was growing up, my dad would play cool games with me, like first person shooters or like, you know, you name it, whatever popular game at the time. And now I come home and he'll be playing his Xbox One and playing Farm Simulator. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> You've never owned a farm in your life. Um, so to, uh, the other part of our thing that we wanted to end with was what's your favorite Easter egg? Oh yeah. Which, uh, as we were talking, my friends started texting me, asking me what I was doing. And I told them what we were doing, what the subject was. And I was like, Hey, real quick, what's your favorite Easter egg? And he told me one that I had totally forgotten about that also might be my favorite Easter egg. So I'm going to kick this off with mine. I was talking earlier about how Hideo Kojima was the king of Easter eggs in Metal Gear Solid. I think that's pretty inarguably true. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. there is one that me and Graham found uh, (laughs) very early. Um, It was Metal Gear Solid 2, and one of the aspects of the game, it's a stealth game, so it's all about hiding from people. And one of the main components of it is, like, you'll hide in a locker and wait for people to, like, wait for the the alert level to go down or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you'll just be hiding in there, just waiting, waiting. So if you go into, there's one level where you, go, you like, go and hide in a locker if you want to, if you need to. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is so goddamn dumb. <laughs> if you look down... And like, because it's first person view. You're like looking out through the slats of the locker, but if you look down, 
on the door of the locker, you see that there's a poster of like this Japanese model, like in a bikini. Mm-hmm. And if you pause the game and use your radio to, <laughs> to call your friend, because you can always pull, press select and like yeah. call your friend and they'll give you some information or something. But if you do it while you're hiding in a locker, looking at this poster, call your friend. Uh, <laughs> your friend will be like, Snake? Snake, what are you doing? Snake? And all you hear from Snake is like... <sighs> Heavy breathing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen YouTube videos of that. Oh yeah, he's just masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> and me and Graham found that thing, That's and it was dirty. so funny to us. And... Uh, also very scandalous to us, but that yeah. that sort of weird thing, like how specific was that to like, you have to do everything just right to find this stupid ass. That guy had to go into the recording studio for that, <laughs> <laughs> that stupid Easter egg. Yeah. So that was, a, I had some other ones I was going to say, but Graham was right. That's like one of the best Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Ben? Yeah. Mine, I think, if I could think, of, there's so many Easter eggs that if I thought about this there longer, are. I could finally, pro- I could probably think of a better one. But uh, one of them that comes to mind is in Portal, um, which this Easter egg coined the term like you hear all the time in reference to Portal is the cake is a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like wandering it, which I mean, when I first played Portal, that's freaking funny. The dialogue in that game is brilliantly, oh, it's the, yeah, crafted. it's really well done. Yeah, and so I'm just dying laughing the whole way through, and then you get behind like one of the uh, walls, like you just happen to be able to crouch behind it, and there's just like uh, scribblings all over the wall, like because yeah. you're being led this whole time by uh, you know the promise of cake at the end, and then you get behind this thing, and there's just like drawings all over the wall, and the cake is a lie, is all written, scrawled everywhere. But yeah, I think that's the Easter egg that I really enjoyed. That's a good one. That's a big one too. That's yeah. like culturally significant. Uh, yeah, we all know that one. Yeah, yeah. Portal is such an odd game. Just to kind of go off on that for a second, since you mentioned it, there was uh, like the how Glados looks is oh, interesting. Like a woman in bondage. That yeah. Oh yeah. And I think the original um, uh, artwork for her was like mm-hmm. a woman who was suspended elegantly mm-hmm. um like mm. maybe she was I, I can't i feel like it was based off uh something i should know that i should remember it but i don't right now but uh it was like more of like she was just kind of suspended from her feet elegantly and arms uh-huh. outstretched and whatever but the end result was yeah she looks like a woman who's bound and gagged yeah which is an interesting parallel for her character yeah, yeah. Uh, I Which th- think, I think that brilliant. makes a, it makes a little bit more sense in Portal Two. Whenever you find out she's like a uh, the uh, artificial rendering of somebody who was a person. Yeah, yeah. It's terrifying because yeah, yeah, she's literally trapped, and they kind of they. But she's hilarious. Put that out, like <laughs> yeah, they. Yeah, she's <laughs> one of the funniest characters. Physically represents yeah. but I'm that. A potato. Yeah. She is. Oh God, Glados. Uh, I. Probably in the past just year, I played Portal. Well, I played Portal Two. I still haven't played Portal One. Uh-huh. But the uh, like Glados, her talking to you throughout every level at the beginning of every level uh-huh. is just some of the funniest yeah. lines. Like it's like my mom was actually watching me play it one night and just laughing her ass off. She was like, <laughs> "I could so watch you play funny. this all night because this this person is hilarious." I know, and I think I remember reading that the first Portal had only, like, one or two writers. Like, it was a very limited right. writing crew. And it feels that way. But yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I've heard the, Portal is. I've heard people say that Portal is their preferred one, and that. But I feel like it was kind of like a more skeletal version of Portal Two. Yeah, yeah. Well, Portal One I think wasn't even really meant to be a like it was just something that a guy like, had fun making. It was in the you know? orange box, it wasn't was, it? Yeah, it, wasn't, it, was it was just, just kind like of an a, experiment in yeah. physics yeah. engine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're just playing with the physics Which, engine because Half Life had at the time one of the best physics engines in gaming. Yeah, and Portal does what it does with its physics engine is insane. Ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And the way, yeah. That, yeah, the way that they apply that to problem solving or puzzle solving is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. I typically hate puzzle games, but Portal yeah, is just so, so well done. Fun. So much fun. Yeah. Um, to get in, I guess to. I was thinking about Easter eggs that I liked, and I was, of course, coming up blank. But I, then I had to go through like each game I've played ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my head. Um, and so I'm just I'm going to kind of rattle off a few because I couldn't think of one that was my mm-hmm. favorite. But uh, just like the games from my childhood, like Tony Hawk, um, there's like a running theme in the Tony Hawk games of where you can go into like secret rooms and find cops standing behind goats oh yeah and there's like me about that there's one. like this weird like porn music playing in this area <laughs> and that's uh, i know for a fact it's in um the tampa level in uh underground one yeah um and i know it's somewhere in american wasteland too it might be in the first level hollywood mm-hmm. uh, well like level they said it was like oh no loading screens in that game but that was oh, bullshit yeah, that was such oh, bullshit yeah. <laughs> Still, uh, yeah. a, still a great game. Still the last great Tony Hawk game, but low loading screens. Come on, okay, Come shut on. up. But so that was that's kind of a funny crass one. And then of course, uh, like New Vegas, um, there is no other way to play that game. Like you're insane if you play that game without taking the Wild Wasteland trait. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game because. Um, it adds in all of these weird references like aliens show up in the game and you can mm-hmm. uh like you see like a crashed spaceship and then like there's an indiana jones reference and, mm-hmm. and of course this like theremin music plays yes. uh, yeah, yeah. whenever this like wild wasteland moments happen and uh yeah so you find like a skeleton in a refrigerator wearing like an indiana jones hat yeah, and it's a reference to that ridiculous scene where he survives God, a nuclear explosion by hiding in a refrigerator. Oh, that was so ridiculous. the worst Indiana Jones movie <laughs> yeah. ever. But yeah. those kinds of things that um that they've they've put in there, and then I guess I think the most satisfying ones were the ones that I found when I was little, and I didn't quite understand what I was finding until I was older. Mm-hmm. Like the the Tony Hawk ones, I was like. Oh, what's that? You know, like with the I was, and then later I got older, and I was like, oh, that's really fucked up. <laughs> that's, kids should not be looking at this. <laughs> I know. That's how what I, how I feel when I watch like original episodes of SpongeBob. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, they did put a lot of stuff in there. In fact, yeah. I feel like we should do like a cartoons urban legend at some point. <laughs> let's just keep doing urban legends. Yeah, is, that's our podcast that. now. Is urban <laughs> legends. Cuz I would get down on talking about cartoons as a kid. That'd be a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, that would be a fun one to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, do you guys have anything else before we wrap this up? I don't think so. Okay. Well, this has been part 2 of Urban Legends. Thanks everybody for listening. As always, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. We always appreciate that. Um, also, if you have any comments or questions or suggestions or if there's something that you heard on today's episode and you 
want to add to it, email us at podcast at pseudophiles.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and also tell us if we're wrong about anything. Yeah. Yeah. We, we could also hear from We're always great. open to uh, to that. Yeah, but uh, also uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks again. Bye. Bye.